welcome to Solving for B, your podcast for all things branding and marketing. In this episode, the Brand Extract team breaks down the basics of AI and talk about its impact on the branding and marketing world. They discuss what AI is and isn't currently capable of, offer tips and advice for how to leverage AI for your branding and marketing purposes, and give a few words of warning to those who might want to overly rely on AI. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hi, and welcome to Solving for B. I'm your host, Chris Wilkes, and in today's episode, we're talking about the hottest topic out there right now, artificial intelligence. And to help me tackle this topic, I'm joined by CEO, Bo Bodie. What's up, Chris? VP of Technology, Donovan Buck. Hey, Chris. And Chairman Jonathan Fisher. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, thank you guys for joining me. So like I said, AI is the hottest topic out there right now. And we thought it might be helpful to talk about its impact on the branding and marketing world. So Donovan, to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about what AI is and and what are we referring to when we talk about artificial intelligence? Sure. Well, the term itself has been around a really long time since I was a kid, and uh, which is a long time. You know, it's 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 what its meaning has kind of evolved. Um, back then, it was you know having clever subroutines that maybe process the data in new and clever ways. What it's really come to mean lately is uh, training um, systems on large volumes of data, and then generating responses or or creating responses based on that data that's been consumed. It's something that's been enabled by, well, just the, one, the large volume of data that's available digitally now, and the ability to just process more and process more in a timely manner has made it possible to do these things where we're just consuming huge amounts of information and then using that to inform you know, likely responses. Yeah. Is there a reason why AI has kind of you know, taken you know, taken off like it has in, in recent times? Is there like a, a big jump in computing power? Is there a bit, I mean, is there a catalyst for this or is it, you know, just luck? I think some of the new models, particularly those that, that kind of present themselves uh, as generative tools, you know, the things that are creating new things from, from perceivably seemingly nothing, um, their, their capabilities have gotten so good recently that it's, captured a lot of people's imagination about what, what's possible and what's coming. And for good reason, uh, the, the things that uh, large language learning models, things like ChatGPT uh, can do are kind of mind blowing. Um, even though they're not perfect, they're really good. And I think that's just generated a lot of buzz around it and a lot of momentum where a lot of organizations are, are offering tools that use these things to, to enhance their own product offerings. Yeah, I think effectively, Chris, it's become more commercial, you know, more commercially viable, right? Where someone like Donovan could have used tools like this before to kind of bend code and bend things, computer, you know, processing power to their will. Now it's become the more the masses have access to it. And then it becomes, okay, well, then they start to have ideas. And then those ideas turn into other ideas. And people can build on it. And Donovan's talked about this in the past where these platforms are, some of them are buildable on um, or usable in different ways um, through what you've talked about at DEA, APIs and other things um, that it just makes it way more access accessible to a larger number of people. And you've talked about, you know, are we at an inflection point? Yeah, you know, we're probably at the 
ooh, cool inflection point. And then there's at some point we're going to get to the completely commercializable inflection point. But, you know, time will tell. And that's happening faster and faster in our lifetimes. <laughs> you know, as things, ooh, that's cool and new. Wait, here's the next new thing. It's happening faster and faster now. So what sort of movement are we seeing right now? Like, D, you talked about generative, uh, generative AI, which is kind of seemingly pulling things out of midair. I, you know, I've, I've worked with ChatGPT, you know, Dolly, uh, AnyWord, Bard, MidJourney. I mean, there's, there's all these different tools. Um, so what are some of the ways that it's really manifesting itself for like, that's relevant to, you know, brands and marketing teams and, and branding, branding firms? So, you know, it's interesting because I think each discipline uh, in, in our business, for example, has found different ways to leverage these tools, um, whether it be something that's specifically optimized for doing a single task or having something broader like ChatGPT that, that we can leverage and do other things with. So you almost have to say, in this discipline, what are we doing? You know, yeah. for, for, for writers, what's the added value? For developers, what's the added value? Because it's, uh, it's a little different for everybody. And the capabilities well, so, are different for everybody. So let me ask you, Dee, as a, as a dev, what are some, you know, I'm not by no means asking you to catalog everything, but what are some of the things that, that you know, developers can use this for? Even if you're, you know, you're new to AI and you're like, hey, look, this can really help you do X. So this can really help you do Y. Um, this is where you might want to start. What, you, do you have any ideas on that? Well, the, the, the obvious one is GitHub Copilot. Uh, which is a, it's a, my GitHub's a Microsoft company. Um, and it's been around a little over a year. And we were fortunate we got into some of the betas and early releases to start testing it out for our development processes. And what it does, it's like uh, autocomplete for code. As you're typing your code, maybe you give it a prompt, maybe you give it a method signature, you, know, you say what the method's going to look like, and it will start to kind of write the next line for you. And you can, if you like what it wrote, you can just tab through it, just like if you're using Grammarly or something like that, where it can offer suggestions on what you might want to say next. And it does a really good job. Of, I think uh, GitHub announced a few months ago that they were up to a 37% acceptance rate on the code that they generate for developers. And that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. Everyone on our team, you know, when we have skeptics and people who, who are reluctant to take on new things, but everyone on our team has said it has helped them and helped them be more productive. And that's, you know, things like code are very formulaic, right? It, well, it either works or it doesn't. There's different ways to accomplish a task, but for the most part, it either works or it doesn't. So there's a very um, structure, there's a very structured what you have to create. It's a good, it's a, it's a good fit for what, for what AI can do. Now, a lot yeah. of, sometimes you will get nonsense, but uh, mm -hmm. that's where your training kicks in and you know how to kick yeah. that back out and say, this is not good code. Yeah, they call those what they call those hallucinations, whatever they're they're spitting yeah. out nonsense, right? And and I've yet to hear a, a, a really good or at least a, a layman's terms good explanation as to like why or you know what that is. But that's probably a topic for another day. I'm curious, uh, Jonathan, from your perspective, you know, we talked about the the uses of AI, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a tool, but I'd be curious to know from your perspective, what are some ways that brands or marketing departments can use AI today? Well, they're, they're using uh, it, for example, with programmatic advertising and media buying. AIs do not need to develop personas to the level that a traditional marketer does because they can go out and identify behavior and then find like behaviors from other potential prospects in the marketplace. So 
personalization is another way um, that uh, marketers are using it today. You know, instead of having a writer write one thing and it's kind of generic, the AIs can write specific to those behaviors and those buyer patterns that it's seeing in the process. So they can produce more content faster and distribute it in broader, more unique ways in the marketplace. We're using it in research analysis, whether it's through voice of the customer interviews to help analyze the data from the customer interview itself to identifying trends within the data itself or insights, positive or negative uh, verbatims and comments, uh, sentiment monitoring and management. It's being used for that. Um, you know, those are a few of the, I think, more adopted already uh, methodologies that are out there. Bo's got a few I know that he's seen as well. I'll pass it to him. Yeah, I think the, thanks, Jonathan. I think the the big thing, it, it's really a time saver at this point. There is a creativity saver in that, hey, look, this can, based on what I prompt and based on what it can see, what, you know, these different tools can see, you know, it can feed me options faster and quicker. Right. And I think much like the code example, much like Jonathan's talking about on looking at research and kind of get to get to the next conclusion, get to the next conclusion. So I think I think it's a tool that's going to allow us to be all the companies and in, in even our industry, you know, is going to allow us to maybe speed up some things to get to a certain level of basic, you know, or push beyond and kind of give us some ideas we wouldn't have thought about as quickly, and then we can build on it. Then it's how quick, I think, Donovan, we've all talked about this, how quickly it start these different tools start to learn from each other and learn from what we give it um, to, for it to be able to make more manipulative kind of things. I mean, I tried to, in mid-journey, tried to create, you know, a picture of my wife in as an elf in a library, because she's a librarian and she kind of geeked out to, you know, the whole Lord of the Rings thing. And I just couldn't get it there. And I think it was really more of a problem with me and my prompts and what I, my ability to use the tool than it was the tool itself. But it still needed information. It still needed guidance. It still needed more. And no matter how many times I hit refresh to give me a new option, it, you know, made her look older or younger or, you know, whatever. Um, those kinds of things playing with those tools, it's interesting to see where that is. I will say there are going to be industries and there are going to be professions that are almost all significantly disrupted or are going to go away. You know, like it, that doesn't mean that, you know, everybody should worry that I'm a developer or I'm a writer or whatever, or a business owner should run out and start cutting, you know, things because the robots are going to take it over. But at the end of the day, we should be thinking we've gone through this with the computer. We've gone through this with the, the handheld devices. We've gone through this already and industries have changed. And I think we're at that point. It's just the challenge for us now is it's happening so fast. And like Donovan talked about the computing powder power is getting better and better and better. And people are getting more and more used to using these tools. And that's going to affect the product you sell. That's going to affect the quality of your product. That's going to affect your people's psyche. Um, when you start talking about branding and and believing in a brand, um, that's going to make people question, you know, did a robot make this? Or did a person make this? What's the value of it if it was made super fast? Why should I, you know, that kind of the mentality of I value the pen to paper or I value the sewing and the stitching, you know, it still permeates business. And in some cases, the robot should be stitching, you know, the the, the robot should be drawing. Um, you know, how do you kind of navigate that or, or how do you upskill 
your people and your team um, to be able to meet that challenge or meet the tool and use the tool uh, the way it can be. I mean, I think those are the things that business owners and business leaders should be thinking about. And that's going to affect trust in brands. That's going to affect hiring. That's going to affect people who are going to be afraid for their jobs. How do you communicate your strategy around these kinds of things? I mean, all of that stuff are things that at least our clients and we are thinking about um, when we talk about these things. So, you know, it's interesting when we talk about, the, you know, potentially like upskilling and, and, and kind of how this will disrupt different industries, because, you know, I've had conversations with folks on our team about, you know, who, you know, might be writers or might be, you know, we have designers on the team, obviously, and it kind of a little bit of, maybe a little bit of panic or like a little bit of curiosity of like, Hey, like, what's this going to do to me? What's, what's my, my career going to look like in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years. And, uh, you know, I think you're, I think you're right, but I think it's absolutely going to disrupt and it's going to change things. But what I've been telling my team and what I believe and all the things that I've read and listened to folks who know this stuff far more than me is especially in the, in the near term, the folks that will, will be most impacted by this are the folks that put their heads in the sand and say, well, this is a fad or this isn't going to, you know, I don't need to change the way I do things. Um, The people who will be, I think, successful in this in this new era of of marketing and branding if you will are the people who embrace i think ai and understand how to use it understand its shortcomings understanding its pitfalls understanding that it is rarely at least not at this point going to spit out a final product um it'll it'll help you with with writer's block it'll help you generate some ideas it'll maybe you know, if, if you chat with it, you know, if you use the chat GPT, for example, it can probably help you come up with some good suggestions and ideas. But I think the value still remains in the in the human where we're, you know, it's on us to, to you know, pardon the pun, extract that value and, and extract the really good idea and take it to the to the to that next level. Um, and I'm curious if you guys see it the same way, or if you have a different perspective on that you know, I, I'd almost want to direct that comment, uh, that question or comment at Donovan, because I mean, I think you among the, the four of us probably understand the power of, of a, uh, excuse me, of AI a little bit, you know, a little bit more to a better degree. So I'm curious your thoughts on that, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're, you're spot on. Um, say you do want to use ChatGPT for brainstorming and you say, give me 20 ideas for a name for a business that does X and Y. And it spits out 19 horrible ideas and one that's pretty good. You know, you've got to be able to discern it. And you've got to be able to take that idea, which is just a seed and, and, and grow it into something that has value. You know, I, I see people sometimes they'll start with JetGPT and they'll, they'll give it a prompt that's relatively complex and it will return something that's impressive, but fundamentally flawed in some way. It doesn't capture the voice right. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense at parts. But when you learn how to work with the tools and really massage the information that you get back and how to create a really good prompt to help inform that tool how best to do its job, then you can start really uh, realizing some great benefits. Um, You know, if you're not doing that, then it's just kind of a toy and you're not getting back something that 
Um, you're not even getting back Fiverr quality if you were to hire a writer on Fiverr, for example. So, you know, but if you really learn how and study how, and there's some some great, we could maybe link to some resources in, in the description for this blog or for this um, podcast. There are some really great resources that help you understand how to engineer the prompts and use the tools. And mm-hmm. I, I tend to go to when I when I talk about prompts and stuff, I, obviously I'm thinking of the, the chat GPTs of the world, not the off the shelf tools that are meant to help you do your job. But this, that's a way that you can create your own tools uh, from those those basic basic products that are out there and build upon things that we couldn't necessarily build in-house. Well, and this reminds me, and I, I, I don't know, I don't remember who to credit, credit it to, but so, uh, when we were prepping for the episode, um, I remember one of you guys mentioning that all of this is still like the, the, the fodder or the, the learning all comes from a human. So while something to the effect of AI can't quite imagine something that wasn't kind of a, a seedling of an idea before or something to that, to that effect, can, can you guys talk about like kind of the, the I guess the need for the, the seedling idea? Like the, you kind of talked about what prompts, I mean, the way you, you create prompts to get the most out of AI. I mean, is, is knowing how to use the AI is going to be important. Is that, is that accurate to say? It is. Yeah. For us, um, the, the, that that quote, by the way, I, that was Bo. Um, he said quite brilliantly, I thought that uh, AIs are not good at imagining things that haven't been imagined before. You know, they, they they're consuming these corpses uh, of of text, um, and if something hasn't been written before, it's not going to stumble across and write that itself. So, yeah, I thought that and was I, a really. I think on the really other nice side quote. of that, on the other side of that, Jonathan and I, it, you know, debated it in that you know. I, it might be based on a prompt, imagining something that I couldn't have imagined. But it, to your point, D, it's based on my ideation, my ability to put the right words together with things that I think are out there, styles or whatever, or writing styles, you know, that can then mimic something the way I want it to mimic it. And that's, that's been, I think Jonathan kind of brought this up and it was a really good debate or debate point yesterday that we kind of like shut him down on, but I think he would be the naming experiments that he's run and that I've run it, you know, there are 10 good ones out of the 30. It gives you, you know, it's not, it's not as if you give it the right information, you know, and that doesn't mean they're all viable, that they're all copyrightable, that they're all trademarkable. Um, but you can start to iterate, iterate, iterate a lot faster, which I know Jonathan loves and I'll turn it over to him, but you know, Jonathan loves that kind of volume of ideas so that we can get to the right one. Again, the human being still needs to make the decision as to is this is this unique, new, and awesome, and does it fit? But the robot can give you a volume. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think it's sentient just yet. <laughs> yeah. For Bo's argument. But AI is creating things that we may imagine, but can't produce. Yeah. That True. level. It can run scenarios 10,000 times faster than we can. So, you know, there's, the possibilities become more endless for it than they are for the human individual to work through this and the options that are out there. So, yeah, for researching, for collecting data and all that, spot on. But back to the earlier comments, you know, what are the risks? If it's the garbage in, it's garbage out, right? If it's only 30% right, it's only 30% right. So you still have that expert individuals analysis and insights on top of these tools but these tools foster efficiencies and they they facilitate 
actions that are, you know, maybe not even possible for some of us, you know, in our professions and our careers at this point. And to Bo's point earlier about, you know, the the timetable by which these things are adopted now is just incredible. It was, you know, 50 years roughly for the car to replace the horse and 20 years for the computer to replace you know, the, the manual calculus. But then you start looking at the adoption of the phone, you know, the smartphones less than 10 years. And now they're talking, you know, probably five more years of mass consumption on these on these AI products in the marketplace before they're true mainstream and norm. So that that blur between bleeding edge and leading edge is becoming very, very thin. Yeah, but I think that's when you start to think about the impact on brands, you know, it it really comes down to like if if these tools allow us, people like us, to create things that haven't been imagined or been produced before, um, then those things will be consumed by AI. And then it'll be this constant cycle of one-upsmanship that you have to stay away from. We've always tried to tell our clients that, like, you know, hammer away, especially in the B2B world, like, you know, not enough people are going to see it right away. You might get bored with it. And AI might be able to create something new tomorrow, but like, like you still got to hammer away your message and your story. But the fact that I, I think you, I think Chris, that what Jonathan and Dee have been talking about is that while the tool is here right now, it's going to be here, you know, like, sorry, you might be able to see me, but so much faster, right? As my hand moves across the screen than it used to be, right? We use typewriters, to Jonathan's point, we used computers as typewriters for 20 years before we really started to adopt. There's a lot of research on this, Moore's Law and all that kind of stuff. Before we really started to adopt computing power to help us do more than just typesetting, right? And, and some of us bent that tool to our will a little faster. It's the same thing with the, the mobile phone and the handheld. We used it as a phone for a long time, but then it basically became our lives, you know, where we consumed information and, and we were able to share information. Yeah, that happens so much faster than the computer, right? You have to look at this the same way. To Jonathan's point, five years, I might argue too, right? You know, because we're all so adept at if people can explain their idea, something can create it faster than to Jonathan's point, pen to paper used to be able to. You know, the Donovan was Donovan worked in pre-press and worked in a film house, you know, that output film to go plate things. Like that whole industry's gone now. And it's it's included in a tiny little box and a machine that spits the film out. You know, like that that's mind blowing to someone like us that started where we were like hand cutting Ruby to take a picture of, to burn it on film. You know, now we don't even have film. It's just direct to print, you know, like whole industries were taken, you know, were gone, but we still were able to create new ones and new ways to do things. Donovan got into code and development and created a new way to share information rather than the old way of film and print. And so those are the those are the things that I think business leaders need to really be thinking about. Those are the things we need to be thinking about. Um, and young people going out into the world, how am I going to use these tools to get my ideas out of my head to create something new? Um, it's just going to be faster and quicker if it's well thought. Uh, I, I was just going to add on that yes, this this wave is crashing upon our 
our business and everyone's business for that matter, there is going to be some pushback. There's going to be a value yep. where people start to realize the limitations and the, and the, you know, the things that it does not do well. We talked about earlier, there's going to be more news stories about lawyers who submitted briefs that Chad GPT wrote for them and they were just completely wrong. Yep. Um, there's going to be doctors misdiagnosing people. Bad things are going to happen because they're, people are trying to use the tool in ways that, that it's not capable of yet. And there's going to be this pushback against AI. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's coming, it's starting. Um, but businesses that continue to work with it and figure out how it can improve their operations, improve their products, improve the way that they deal with their customers are mm -hmm. going to continue to reap the benefits. And it's going to become part of our lives, just like the computer and the smartphone have. Yeah. And, and you, you touched on something that I was kind of getting to anyways. I'm glad you, you started there. It was like, you know, some of the limitations that, that, that you're aware of with AI right now, like for, for me, for example, I mean, you guys kind of touched on this already, but um, I'm noticing in copy, like when I, when it first came out, it was so novel and you were kind of all excited about it. Hey, it spit out this copy. This is great. And then you kind of look into it and then you realize, you, you know, the more you, you interact with it, you realize what it's missing, right? You realize that, Hey, it doesn't quite have this right. Or it doesn't quite understand this. So I think, you know, there's some, some limitations. Are, are there any other, you know, specific limitations that you guys, you know, are, are, are maybe pitfalls or things to watch out for um, when you're using AI to like, just be careful because you don't want those, you know, those lawsuits or those, you know, bad medical outcomes and that sort of thing that, that could be a real possibility. I was going to say with programmatic uh, automation and marketing buys, it's going to go rogue on you and you're going to have some waste in the buy before you can catch it and their trends are going to put up. But you know, but it's also to say, do humans make perfect buys too? No, they don't. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, more of an, uh, an agile mindset that I think you have yeah. to take with some of this process in there. So, yeah. you know, intellectual property, you know, uh, is it robbing copy from somebody else, you know, or stealing visuals? You know, uh, there's a whole lot of IP rights right now around, you know, what Dolly can do and creating visuals and stuff out there that is the courts haven't even got to consider or figure out. Right. Um, but as a brand and as a marketer, I think you're going to have this challenge of sort of how do you defend and protect your brand and or how do you keep your people from uh, deviating so far from the brand that you can't protect it that way either right so there's the brand policing process and there's the monitoring process of it and then there's just the kind of fake communications and deep fakes and news that's out there is another form of protection that brands you know, if you talk about risks that you're going to have to be monitoring and looking for so um it, it brings up a, a lot more complexity our industry was already getting more complex every day you know you have to go from the internet to then social media and you know be even before you know pre that desktop posting and every year there seems to be some new thing as a marker that we have to contend with you know a new app a new platform that comes out and this just added a, a much larger geometric lift buddy <laughs> yeah real to marketing branding in the marketplace yeah it, it, it occurs to me that with this new dawning of AI, you know, or just generative AI, all this, um, the, the folks, you know, I think the people who get, I mentioned it before, I think the people who get a handle on AI first and, and, and embrace it will probably be the best position, position to succeed, but like really being 
nimble and agile and being able being adaptable to all these new technologies that are going to come out for Jonathan as you were talking about that you know you know you think about bad actors in ways that they might try to sabotage you know if if their competition right um and put out a deep fake video about them and their stock price tanks and um if you don't know how to even like you know combat that and then not 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 necessarily prevent it because i don't know that there's a the way to prevent bad actors in that way but combat that or be ready prepared to have your kind of brand story kind of buttoned up and you know have have built up some sort of like um reputation for hey look this is I, we can prove that this isn't our ceo you know doing xyz <laughs> but right now like our brand stands for itself while we're sorting through the technical details of that let's stop the pr stock price from plummeting i mean there's just so much that even in this conversation, I'm like, yep, didn't consider that. So yep. it's just, it's, it is, you know, the, a new wild, wild west, it seems like, you know. I think anybody that uh, deals in crisis communications is going to be very, very busy. <laughs> I think it's probably safe that. <laughs> be updating their communications books every couple of months. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think he had a thought. Well, there's, there's, there's facets, uh, multiple facets to this, this problem. There's, you know, as individuals, as consumers of information, the uh, necessity for critical thinking mm -hmm. is going to kind of go up as the quality of the fakes go up. It's like, yeah. that seems really unlikely. No. Um, uh, and, you know, I, people sometimes seem a little uh, too quick to believe something when they see it without questioning it. We're yeah. going to have to all get better at questioning the things that we see. As, as producers, that's a really good question you think like a watermark how do you protect that image how do you protect that copy how do you protect your brand image it just your own face how do you how do you do you watermark your face how, how does that work and then there's the regulatory facet you know are some governments will i don't know which ones but some governments will come out and give guidelines about appropriate use of ai and ai generated content um you know does it have to have a yeah, this um, is AI generated. You know, a little legal snippet at the bottom. And that's going to happen in some places, I'm sure. Whether it happens here, I don't know. But um, it's something that we're going to have to consider in the work that we do. But I think you know, as, as you were talking about it, and Chris, you started this, and then Jonathan and Donovan have very eloquently talked about the side effects and, and the, the challenges and opportunities. I think you know it, it, this is going to be lost on younger people that listen to this, but and I seem to be saying that more and more as I get older. Um, <laughs> You know, we used to have to imagine something, a, a story, say for the case of this the example, we used to have to imagine a story about Egypt and we would go to the library and we would open up books and look at articles and, and we would do the imagining in the front and the research in the front and the, and, and then off of like literally two chapters and five paragraphs out of the world book we'd write a three page paper on Egypt, you know, and like, I had no business writing that, but I had to use my imagination. I had to do some research up front and I had to do some things. I think people are moving so fast. Information is so rarely available that to Donovan's point about this kind of double checking and critical thinking, we're going to have to do the research on the backside of these now. And the, the burden has shifted from the, where I was the content creator in that scenario in high school, writing a pic, a paper on the pyramids in Egypt, the burden's now shifting to the reader and the consumer of the information to check and see if it's accurate, which is silly because it was so inaccurate 
you know, whenever I wrote it a million years ago, but now it's even more inaccurate and more fake today, or could be, could become. And so back to Jonathan's legal points, back to Donovan's kind of critical thinking piece, and all the way back to what you were talking about, Chris, is these applications, all the collisions, you know, it's almost like we're having to think backwards from the, you know, imagine, research, write. Now it's going to be, you know, write, reimagine, research, you know, kind of thing. It's a, it's a real change in the way that people do work. And again, brands are going to have to think about that. You're going to have to think about what training do people need? How, how do we get that, flip it back to well-researched information provided? Um, it, the, I guess the next U.S. election is going to be really telling um, because these tools will be have have been more mainstream for a number of years. I mean, they were using them before when Obama was talking to to Putin and supposedly said something about after the election. That was such a deep fake. But we all didn't have access to that. Now we all have access to making that thing. You know, what is going to happen? I think people are going to have to be curious. I think we're going to have to be a lot more curious. And that curiosity going into using the tools the right way will will kind of separate the wheat from the chaff, right? The really good work that comes in part by using AI will be about really good people, really smart, intuitive people coming up with solutions. And it's still a people-driven process. Um, That is, to Jonathan's point, spitting out 10 of 10 really good ideas really fast to get to the next 10 because the URL is already taken on a naming project or that logo's already been done. Um, there's that critical thinking piece that's going to have to happen of chicken or egg that we're going to have to consider. All business leaders are going to have to consider, you know, separate disclaimers that a government makes you do or a legal issue that comes from copyright. Um, you know, we, we are the creators. We are the imaginers. We're just using that new pair of hands to, to create something a little faster and a little bit quicker um, than we wanted to and to imagine some things for us that we don't have the time to imagine on our own. One of the things that Bo talks about here in his explanation there is this notion of changing behavior and shifting behavior and not only to who, but to when it's done. Yeah. And so if you take something as basic as Google search or Bing, right, uh, for SEO and organic searches, um, how the searches are conducted and how AI will conduct the searches is different than today's approach for the most part. And so, you know, it's more who, what, how, where, when, why line of questioning from a content creation standpoint than it was just yeah. some of the old data mm-hmm. and the facts and the stats and then the product and the service explanations. And so, you know, something that's already on top of us uh, because of the adoption curve that's coming for things like search and website and social media, we as marketers have to think about how we're delivering the data um, differently so that it can be consumed under these new methodologies and time periods by which it is consumed under. That customer journey is changing a bit to Bo's point. Yeah. Well, you know, that's another aspect we haven't really discussed so far, and that's the relationship between consumers and data aggregators and what data aggregators are going to do with these new capabilities. Um, the, the, I'll use Meta because they're the one everyone knows, but there's a, some that are uh, collecting a lot more information that we've never heard of uh, that, that uh, aggregate data and share it with, with different organizations to help them better target you as a consumer. 
Well, what's going to happen to our personal information now that we've unleashed AI in the world? Um, it's it's kind of a uh, kind of scary to be honest. Oh sure. Yeah. And to Jonathan's point about channels, how to market, what a marketing plan looks like, the information is shared, its ability to test and, and quickly iterate you know, based on like what it, to your point, all the data that it's consumed about me, you know, it's, it's pretty wild west. It just depends on how long that wild west period. And to your point, being aware and to Jonathan's point, thinking differently about the process and the procedure of this, um, it, it's going to be, it's, yeah. it's interesting. It's an interesting time. It's an exciting time. Yeah. That relationship is probably going to be the catalyst for any regulations that come out in the near future. Yeah. 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 So, so let's bring it all the way back now that we've, uh, now that we've sufficiently uh, scared everyone and, and excited <laughs> others. What's, what advice, you know, you guys kind of one piece of advice, and it doesn't have to be one, you know, but if, if a brand is considering using AI or, or is starting to use AI, what sort of advice, and it can be as granular or as high level as you want to give it, but I'm just curious what you guys might say the brands out there who are, you know, trying to make sense of this and, and want to use it for their brand. Jonathan? Well, I think that whatever tools you're using and picking, you want to make sure that they align with your values and your beliefs and your opinions, because the AI isn't going to know that out of the gate. And we're not quite there yet in terms of it being able to pick up on it or even train it. You can teach it voice, but you can't teach it values necessarily. Yeah. Just, it's still a human characteristic. So I, I would really caution that that you know you're not letting it run on its own and or trusting it too far if you're running some multivariant av agile type testing processes that are out there i think additionally uh brands are probably going to need to be a little um concerned with trust and loyalty from customers and the potential backlash if these things go rogue or blow up on them and so they need to consider disclosure how and when uh, and what they're using it for and how honest they are behind it. We've seen what happens when brands get caught lying and that is the kind of cardinal sin to branding is breaking your promise, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that consistency is, is, the, is the golden rule, if you will, to all marketers. So, you know, be a, you know, really think twice about it. And the third thing I'd say is, you know, really watch your IP issues and, and I would be very careful um, both in protecting it and using it to generate content and or generate visuals because I think there's going to be, to Don's point earlier, there's going to be some pushback and there's going to be people testing the courts. You know, we saw it just in things a few years ago with sampling and, and uh, you know, the, with the record and music, you know, it's gone on, but we've also seen it in just art, in the art world itself. You know, um, the images of like, you know, Michael Jackson and Prince being used and, and not being modified enough and things like that. So, so those are a few things that I would, Awesome. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, Donovan, what about you? Anything, any advice you would have? Yeah, I've got two, two things I want to, to touch on. Uh, the first is as you're deciding what tools to use in your organization, uh, think about your existing processes and how those tools can fit in and augment those processes. And don't just buy things because they're impressive or don't, don't you know, sign a license or start trying to use them um, without knowing how they're going to improve your work product make you more efficient, or in some way help your organization as it exists now. And don't just make a list of tools and say, I want to buy that, 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 and that, because you'll just waste your money. And the second thing that I want to say from our own experiences and learning, because we're doing a lot of work with ChatGPT right now, 
don't underestimate the value of training the model you're working with. Mm -hmm. um, for example, even with what's called, you know, uh, uh, few shot learning, where you're just giving it a couple of examples and showing it what you want it to look like and then asking it to produce something for you dramatically increases the quality of what you receive. Um, we had, for example, we, we asked ChatGPT to write a description of a web page to use in a meta, meta field, right? A meta description for SEO. And it did a nice job, but it was too long. It didn't use the voice that we wanted. It you know, missed some important points. But then we tried the same task saying, here's a few that we've written for this website, uh, for these kinds of pages. Now you try it. And it returned something that was incredibly good. So know that you have to train the models. They don't come out of the box ideal for your situation. You got to tell them what to do. Awesome. Yeah, I, awesome. I think, Chris, building on that, the, the uh, ideas versus final, you know, is, are you generating ideas? The Like, this is not final art. To your point, and Donovan just made, Jonathan's made it a few times, you know, earlier, you earlier, Chris, like, it, you got to put a little bit of eyeball on it to and test it and look at it. And we're talking content, but I would say the same thing about automating processes. I would say the same thing about, you know, Jonathan talked about if a media, if automate, if we're automating media buys, it's going to get so far out in front of us. If we're not watching it, that it may repeat the same mistake over and over faster than would have had if human beings had been just paying attention to it or human beings had just been slowly doing what they had done before, right? And so the mistakes can get bigger faster if, if you don't think about these tools as idea generation and not final. That, that It may give you something final right off the bat. It may give you something perfect, but you've got to be curious about that. And I think the, the last piece is then, you know, what kind of disruption does that cause in your organization? You know, whether it's your own people trusting the business, whether it's the own to you, you kind of alluded to it even with us, Chris, the fear of is my job going to be here? You know, when a business leader comes out and says, our brand believes in this, but we're going to have all the robots replace everybody, you know, like that's what goes on in their minds, right? And, and how do you keep your culture intact? How do you kind of manage this stuff to be the right way, you know, manage this stuff the right way? So anyway, those are the things that, that seem to be the most important. Yeah. I, AI as like a new hire. <laughs> You're going to need train. teach them a lot about your business and bring them up in speed and, you know, uh, review them and just the way you would a new employee. That's how I kind of think of AI personally right now. <laughs> yeah, it's that eager intern who has no idea what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds like, you know, keep a hand on the wheel, right? I mean, I think one of the biggest risks of all of this is, is taking your, you know, mix the metaphors, right? Taking your eye off the ball or keeping, letting it go total autopilot. Cause Bo, like you said, those mistakes can be bigger and they can be faster. Keep your hand on the wheel. Keep, you know, keep feeding inputs like D mentioned, um, you know, train them up like Jonathan talked about. So um, this was great, guys. I really appreciate the time. Uh, it's really insightful. I, I, I learned a few things today. But uh, yeah, we'll let you run. And, and thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Bye, everyone. That's it for another edition of Solving for B. Did you enjoy the episode? Then check out more content on all things branding and marketing by visiting brandextract.com. Be sure to also follow us on our social channels like LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and even Instagram. Thanks for tuning in to Solving for Bee.